Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Good and Pastor Brett Bill and myself wrap up our discussion on Article 9 of the Augsburg Confession, looking at a New Testament passage about baptism. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bow. I'm joined by my friends. Pastor Jason Goodall. And Pastor Brian Rickey. Yes, and we continue to talk about baptism. Like yeah, well, good Lutherans, right? From the last remaining passage <laughs> in the New Testament that we haven't done a baptism episode yeah. on. We, but a really good dig. one. We yes. had to dig. Well, it's a really good one because it connects the reality of the human life in the world. It's yep. going to talk about philosophy and empty deceit and the, mm-hmm. the opposition of the elemental spirits in the world. It connects that to new life in baptism as it is connected to the cross. It's a real mm-hmm. total package. It's yeah. also a wonderful connection to the new covenant in Christ right. Jesus. It's got that covenant connection, and yep. I think that's really good for us to see, because I think as Lutherans, we sometimes don't talk about that, mm-hmm. maybe as much as we should. Mostly because we're not Calvinists. Well, yeah, I know, right. but it's there. <laughs> we're Christians, <laughs> and it's in the Christian scriptures. Yes. So Right. Yeah, and I, I was, I was going to mention, too, I, I recently preached this text in my congregation and it was a fun sermon because it was pretty much besides the there's a warning here yeah. you know after that word of law there's a whole lot of unalloyed gospel I which was just i could just sense all of us myself included were soaking it up well it's it, preaching the gospel mm-hmm. uh when you have a chance to do it in all of its purity yes uh it's an addictive thing you just mm-hmm. you love to proclaim it as a pastor because it's yep. it's it's glorious you yes. know it just flows right out of you yep Yep, that's right. So I'll read the passage for us. We're in Colossians 2, verses 8 through 14 in this text. So let's read it here. It says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off of the body of flesh, of the flesh, by circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Here ends the scripture. Amen. 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 Some of my favorite gospel words, this mm-hmm. he set aside, mm-hmm. nailing it to the mm-hmm. cross. Yeah. I like the word yep. all in verse 13, yes. all our trespasses. Yeah. This, yep. this passage is is just chock full yep. Of content, yes. you know, we're a lot gonna of, be here a lot for about gospel, ninety yeah. minutes. It's a lot of gospel handles. Mm-hmm. A lot of gospel handles, and in a, in a recognition of reality. Mm-hmm. It's anything else other than the message of the gospel in Scripture is a competing philosophy, mm-hmm. uh, which means that false teaching and corruption of the gospel in the church is a competing philosophy, mm-hmm. and anything that that supposes to offer and provide contentment in the world mm-hmm. is a competing philosophy, right? Yep. So, you know, that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to elemental spirits of the world. Mm-hmm. This is evolution, yeah. scientific naturalism or scientific humanism. Yeah. This is the, the whole movement towards personal autonomy 
that you know I I can decide uh, on on a whim that I'm male or female mm-hmm. today, uh, however I'm feeling to validate the emotions, and the message of Scripture entirely contrary uh, to what the world is saying and what the world is embracing is that those are the lies, mm. the 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 feelings and the emotions that are ensnaring you and that are making you impassioned. That's the lie. That's the competing philosophy. Mm-hmm. And, and in contrast, God offers reality. God offers the truth of the situation. And it's just, it's so remarkable when you look at things that way, how succinct and concise the message of the gospel is compared to all of this other nonsense that competes with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. I think it just really picks up where we left off last episode yeah. of that. This is a work of God. This isn't a work of man. It's not an ascent to knowledge as we talked about before. It's not our piety that brings this about. It is totally entirely the work of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Yeah. And, and, and that's captured by the word captive. Yeah, right? You're, right. you're in bondage, mm-hmm. and yep. this isn't, you know, we're not pulling off a great escape. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not breaking free on your own. Uh, Plato, uh, his image of the cave that mm-hmm. sometimes people associate with Christian uh, philosophy, what happens is the guy gets out of the cave on his own power, though. Mm-hmm. You know, he's mm-hmm. not released. And the the whole message and image of the gospel in Scripture is one of deliverance, is one mm-hmm. of freedom from bondage. You know, the, the mm-hmm. whole Exodus theme for the nation of Israel, yep. uh, all of that is pointing us to what Jesus did on the cross in our place. It's delivering us. It's, you know, the, the chains have fallen off. It's mm-hmm. being set free by the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yep, and, and in that being set free, uh, we're, we're able to take every thought captive to obedience to, to Christ, uh, especially the the ideas of the world, the human traditions that are coming our way. Well, and it, I mean, this this has loads of application for apologetics, which I'm going to get to in verse 9 anyway, but this idea of taking our thoughts captive is mm-hmm. when, when something seems like a competing truth to Christianity, but it isn't the reality of the gospel, mm-hmm. we surrender that thought. We, we get yep. rid of it. So, uh, you know, we look at, you know, creationism, versus evolution, or, mm-hmm. or even if you want to spice it up and call it intelligent design versus evolution, uh, part of what matters is despite what we see, we know that the truth is that God created the heavens and the earth. And the reason it's so important that we confess that God created the heavens and the earth is because his ability to create our new life out of nothing, mm-hmm. the work of God, is demonstrated first in Scripture with his ability to create everything else out of nothing. Amen. I, I often use the account mm-hmm. in John chapter 11 of Lazarus as a picture mm-hmm. of our baptism and conversion. Yeah. And, you know, what, again, did Lazarus do to contribute to the work of Jesus as he raised him from the dead? And, and the answer is absolutely nothing. And then echo that reality in Ephesians 2. We were dead in our trespasses and since we are captive. And so we are absolutely incapable of freeing ourselves or bringing about anything that would earn or merit salvation in Christ. Doesn't your Bible have the footnote in John 11 where Jesus first sticks his head in the tomb and he says, who who in here would like to be raised from the dead? And, and Lazarus, I see that hand, and I see that hand. It, that, that's not in your translation I'm, I'm of the Bible? I'm feeling the satire here, you know, a little... <laughs> 
Hashtag no. sarcasm. My Bible does not have that footnote. <laughs> okay. That's because it's not there, right? Yeah. With every eye closed and every head bowed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, you know, I had this conversation with a fellow Christian a couple of days ago, right? Uh, my assault on this whole thing repeatedly and consistently as a pastor isn't an assault on preaching the gospel as an appeal mm-hmm. or as an invitation. Hmm. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with this. And because it's in scripture, Thanks Jesus gives several yeah. 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 And Jesus gives right. several invitations, but when we start to make it a work, well that my gripe and complaint is that either it becomes our personal work yes. or we're left with the notion that my Christian life is up to this moment when I do something. It's it's up to my subjective experience. That's, and we're right back to where we started in the very first episode of this of this track that's mm-hmm. about piety. Yep. It's about personal piety yeah, right. and not about that objective yep. faith in who accomplished this for us. See, now you guys are coming around to that big thesis <laughs> statement that I needed to sell everyone on. It's, it's the reason yeah. why... The, oh, we've been there, my friend. <laughs> yeah, we've been there the right. whole way. The, the reason why the American church uh, gets baptism wrong is because our assurance of salvation in the American church must flow from our piety. Right. Are you we know, preaching Christ or are we preaching the Christian? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's, that ends up what it means. And I, I'm, I'm teaching this apologetics class for my kids' homeschool co-op, uh, and we, we just did a unit on sharing your faith. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I had a vested interest. We're going to talk about personal testimonies and all about that. And, and the thing I said that, that must define your personal testimony is that you point to Jesus and then you get out of the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you don't point to yourself. Right. You don't point to your transformed life. You point to Jesus and then you walk away and let them have Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> amen. But it's not that your transformed life can't proclaim the gospel without words, but that can't be the emphasis of it. It has to be the work of Jesus Christ and what he did for us. It's yeah, it's not a sales pitch and it's not a it's not a bait and switch, it's not a promise. I have heard way too many times the Christian life be preached as Jesus makes everything better. Mm. You think life is awful right now, you find Jesus and you'll be happy and joyful just like me. And and the problem with that is not that only we're presenting a lie to the unbeliever, but that Christians are starting to believe this lie and and are, are living this tortured life of forced joyfulness Hmm. because they have deceived themselves into believing anything less than satisfactory is a deficiency in their faith. And then anyone who does experience suffering, suffering or turmoil or, or anything or sickness or illness, Oh, I don't have enough faith. Yeah. The problem Mm -hmm. is with them. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Uh, I just dealt with a congregation member that, that was talking to me who's battling with cancer. And I just wanted to affirm, I said, let's look at who the author of sin is and, and where this comes from. And it comes from sin and the author of sin is Satan. And we just have to understand that that's just the reality that we live in. And then I brought her into first Peter that we shouldn't be surprised by these things, like something odd were happening to us, but that our brothers and sisters in Christ are experiencing all around the world. Mm -hmm. Well, and even at times when I've been doing visitation at a nursing home or with a with a member with a terminal illness, I've had the opportunity to say verbatim, I don't know why God has chosen you to suffer in this way or why you are suffering and yeah. not me. Yep. But I do know God knows that you are suffering. God knows what it's like to suffer. He cares about you. And no matter what, he's going to heal you. He's either healing you in this life yes, or, or he'll heal you for all eternity. <laughs> yep. And and after that it won't matter. Right. 
You know, that's the message of the gospel. And I think that in suffering, you know, and I think First Peter has such a great theology of suffering. It's such, it's, it's just, we're too focused on this world, on this life. And if we get too focused and too attached to the things of this world, we fail to understand to the extent that God wants us to, the peace of Christ that only comes from an eternal perspective, that this world is not our home, and that what lies on the other side mm-hmm. of this life is our true inheritance. And right. that's the true reality for the believer. Right. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth yep. as it is in heaven. Yeah, and, that, and that's why in this passage in Colossians 2, in light of the, the warning here to not be taken captive by human philosophy, empty yes. deceit, there's promises about what we have in him. In him is well, the, the fullness of yeah, and th- exactly those three To three tie points. it all together, what Brian was saying, if, if you are prone and addicted to to pointing someone to God's purpose in your suffering, that goes back to piety again. Mm-hmm. It's a lesson I have to learn, yep. and then I'll move beyond this. But instead, we look for God's presence in our suffering, and mm-hmm. that's exactly what Paul yep. does here. Verse 9, he starts to put it all together for us. For in him, yep. the fullness of the deity dwells bodily. Mm. Okay, so that that preposition is going to be huge for mm-hmm. our understanding of baptism, the in him. In him. So what we are getting in Jesus as the baptized is all of God. Mm-hmm. It's the the whole fullness of the deity bodily. So we are getting fully God and fully man. And verse 10 brings that up, and you have been filled in, in him, him mm-hmm. who is the head of all rule and authority. Yeah. Okay. And then here's the third, in him. Also. Are, yeah. But you, wait, there's more. But yeah, wait, right, yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a, it's like an awesome infomercial for yeah. the gospel. Uh, in him you were circumcised with a circumcision not made without hands. And this is the difference. This is what you're talking about the covenant reality. Uh Brian, yeah. is that circumcision was foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Circumcision is the illusion. Mm-hmm. Baptism is the reality. And circumcision was physically carried out by mm-hmm. a human, but baptism is fully carried out by the work of God, mm-hmm. the word of God through the water of yeah. baptism. Yep, exactly. So in him you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. Yep. You know, this is there's something more going on by the putting off of the body of flesh, mm-hmm. by the circumcision of Christ, mm-hmm. having been buried with him, mm-hmm. now the in has changed. Yep. Mm-hmm. With him in baptism. So we got in him, in him, in him, yep, with, with him, with him in baptism. And that points to our previous episode, the new heart section of Ezekiel yep. chapter 36, yeah. that new creation in Christ Jesus. So so what it amounts to is we look at baptism, we take a step back, yep. we, we we've got a we've got a drone overhead view of the doctrine of baptism. It's it's right. gently scrolling up and getting farther away. We look at baptism and what it amounts to is that the reality of baptism is that Jesus' death is your death. Mm-hmm. Jesus' resurrection is your resurrection. Yes. When, when, when Jesus died in reality, in history, 2,000 years ago, God counted that as your death. Mm-hmm. When Jesus rose again... God counted that as your resurrection. And how do we know that? One, you're dead in your trespasses. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're, you're already dead. You, you're, you're separated from God. You're, you're, you're not even as good as dead. You're already dead. You're already and condemned, as John 3 reminds us. What can dead people do? Nothing. Because <laughs> apart from Christ, we can do nothing. nothing. 
God raised you together with him. So that's verse 12 and verse 13, repeating the same form, having forgiven us all our sins. Our resurrection, our spiritual resurrection, is tied to our forgiveness of sins. Mm -hmm. It's the sin that killed us. It's the absence of sin that raises us to life. Mm. Now, this is where we have to be clear. Brett, you're still a sinner? Yes. Okay. Brian, you're still a sinner? And some days a really good one. (laughs) Well, that makes two out of three of us. That's not bad. I'm also still a sinner, right? So how is it that it's the presence of sin makes us dead, but the absence of sin, it's because our sin... Mm is credited as Christ's on the cross. Yep. And so it's not as if we're not committing sin, but it's as Christ takes the sin we've committed and makes it his own because God cancels the record of debt mm-hmm. that stands against it with its legal demands. Yep. There's, I think, the key term in all of this, yep. the legal demands. Which brings it in the realm of justification. Exactly. Yep. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Yep. Mm. So the sentence that condemns us to die is Christ's death sentence that was carried out on the cross. Oh, that's, amen. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, I, I tell the, the members of my congregation as I'm preaching the gospel, is you want to know what your sin looks like now? It looks like Christ on the cross. Mm-hmm. And the, I brought this up earlier, but I just love the word all. Mm. The totality of an object. All means all. All means all. And I, I kind of rib, kind of rib my congregation <laughs> once in a while. Yeah. I'm like, you want to know what that word all means in the Greek? Mm-hmm. It means all. It means all. Nice. Every single one. Oh, praise yeah. God. But, I mean, to deny the importance of baptism on the one hand, and, mm. and, and maybe it would be fair to say that several Baptists uh, and other parts of Protestantism would disagree and say that, well, we don't think baptism is unimportant, okay? So to deny the importance of baptism is one thing. To deny the efficacy of baptism is the same thing. Mm-hmm. Because God right. has chosen to work in such a way that we do not doubt our salvation. Yeah. And, 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 and that's how we preach the gospel. If, in fact, God wanted you to be saved, and if, in fact, God did save you, both true, then he would do so in such a way so that it's not a mystery, so yeah. that it's not an uncertain thing, so that it's an absolute certainty. Mm-hmm. And that it's not dependent upon us because exactly. we would always right. fail. And, and really, when people talk about baptism as something that they're doing, which I think that's the way that Baptists and, you know, well, it, it's my showing God that I'm serious about the faith. If you take that view of baptism and put it into this text. Makes no sense. It, it makes no sense. Yeah. I, I wouldn't even know how you would explain it, honestly. Mm-hmm. And so I wouldn't try to out of, you know, a desire to not be unfair right. to people, but I think about it. I, I've mentioned on the podcast multiple times before that when I was in college, the first college that I went to after Bible school was Oklahoma Christian University down in uh, Edmond, Oklahoma, just north of Oklahoma City. It was a Church of Christ University. I went there because they had an amazing broadcasting department. You know, I, I've always wanted to be a radio guy, so Brian is always fulfilling my my dream by letting me geek out in his studio. But uh, I went there, and this Church of Christ College, the first thing I noticed was for freshman orientation week, which I was forced to be a part of, even though I was coming in as halfway between my sophomore and junior year, uh, all the people were bragging, all my fellow students were bragging about going to uh, multiple Bible camps and talking about how many times they've been baptized. <laughs> you know, was, I was like, I was baptized nine times this last summer. Oh. As a, verbatim, a sentence I heard in college. And it's like, how do you take that mm-hmm. 
admission and make it jibe with Colossians 2. It doesn't It doesn't. Fit. Having no. been buried with him in e- baptism. Either, yeah. either baptism is a superfluous thing that doesn't work, which, would, which should, by definition, render nothing but doubt for your salvation when it comes to the gospel. Yeah. Or, I mean, I don't even know how to squeeze it in. I, I don't know how you would twist that. Yeah, it, it jives much more just to say that baptism is something God is doing Baptism is something God is us. doing that works mm-hmm. and is significant. Yes. You know, and, and efficacious. Yeah, and efficacious. Uh, but when we say remember your baptism, we take joy in your baptism. Mm-hmm. Which I can feel many shuddering no. at that. Yeah. Or even Luther, in, mm-hmm. he said this multiple times through his large catechism, the proper use of your baptism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, or like when every time I cross myself, and I do it, you know, it's not a required thing. It's not a matter of everything. I cross myself in a worship service. After you slug a homer. Yeah, or yeah, and, <laughs> as, an, as, as a... He's as genuflecting a, for, right now. As, as, a, as a professional <laughs> athlete. Every time I thank God for a touchdown, I score. No, every time I cross myself, yeah. what I'm actually saying to myself as I've trained myself to do it is I am baptized. Hmm. Because it helps me remember that what God has done for me... Mm-hmm. Not that in, I was baptized. No, I yep. am, am baptized. I, I, know I was saying. baptized, yep. right? It, it, it's all that God has done. And we say, remember your baptism. We're not saying your sin doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Actually, when we say remember your baptism, it's an appeal to repentance. Absolutely. Because mm. repentance is your daily action yep. as a baptized member Baptismal life. Yeah, baptismal yep. life is repentance. And so it, for people who shudder at remember your right. baptism... Why they're shuddering is exactly the opposite of what we're actually meaning when we mm-hmm. say it. Yeah, interesting. You repent of your sins, and why do we want you to repent? Not that you dwell on what a miserable sinner it is. Every time you repent, God forgives you. Every yeah. time you repent, God comforts you with the assurance of the mm-hmm. gospel. Mm-hmm. No, and I just love that attachment to that. And just I'm preaching on mm-hmm. repentance this weekend, so Good. when I said, "Oh, interesting," I'm like, "Ooh, I'm going to add this into my sermon." <laughs> Contrition and faith. Contrition yes. and faith. Yeah. Good. Well, should we wrap up this episode? Yeah. Sure. Um, I thought it'd be really appropriate to end with Titus chapter 3. We can read, or I'm going to read, uh, verses 4 uh, through 7. Reading in Christ's name. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, mm-hmm. by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. Please join us next week as we continue our journey through the Lutheran Confessions. God bless you and have a great week.